America's comeback starts right now. The familiar voice of ex-president Donald Trump launching his bid to become the next president in 2024. His decision fires the starting gun on the next presidential race, just a week after a disappointing set of midterm results for the Republican Party he hopes to lead. But how much will the politics shape markets? I'm Richard Edgar, and as always on this podcast, I'm joined by Fidelity's Oracle, the Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Welcome to you, Andrew. Hello, Richard. Now, we are speaking on a Friday afternoon, and as it stands, the Democrats have held their control of the Senate, and the Republicans have narrowly taken the House of Representatives. A lot of action in DC, but what uh, is the wider impact of American politics? And I'm thinking perhaps it's in New York and in other financial centres around the world. Yes, I think there was a degree of uh, of nervousness uh, as we went into the, the midterms, but in some ways, this is the result that... Uh, gives at uh, the moment the markets a degree of uh, calm. Um, what that really flows from is, you know, history is, tells us that uh, at the midterms, it's a part of the process where you see often that sort of switch from one party to another from the previous presidential race. And we've only seen that in the um, uh, House move into the Republicans, but it does create gridlock. And gridlock historically has been associated with a more constructive position that the government doesn't do too much or uh, do anything that's too radical. And that acts as a positive for the, the markets in terms of relative calm and this uncertainty. And I'll come back to that point in a, in a second. But the, the other element of this is that we're into the second half of the presidential uh, term. And that has tended to be associated as well with a calmer, more constructive period. It's, it's very much you're seeing that uh, historically it's been about where there's a little bit more on the stimulus side as the sort of prepare for the election uh, race. And I think with the Republicans having not done as well as, as expected, it really in some ways you know, frames that very well in that this will now drop back for a while. We'll have lots of noise, it's clearly around how the Republican uh, uh, candidates are forming. But I think there's uh, more importantly for markets and now really t- turn their attention re- right back to the Fed, to the economic environment and trying to work out what the Fed's going to do next. Pretty galling for politicians, isn't it? Because it, I, I, I think I'm right that when Belgium managed to go for a considerable period without any government whatsoever, GDP grew. It's amazing that uh, how, <laughs> in some cases, them just getting out of the way can be very valuable. That, yes, um, yes. I, w- I would argue that to give them some credit, that um, with some of the events we've had over recent years, that their uh, you know more active intervention has been a constructive um, thing for uh, for a while. But as we're finding that there's a price to pay for that as well. Uh, well, there has, and the interventions of politicians in the UK were distinctly not helpful um, a few weeks ago. We have just had uh, a budget from the new Sunak government. So a very different take on the last one. Um, Does this herald stability for investors? So I think it does give a sense that there is more certainty. Uh, It certainly will mean that the expectation levels of some of the volatility around um, policymaking certainly have uh, declined. And we've seen that partly how markets have already responded. But also, as you look forward, one of the interesting things is that you know, the, the Tory government has moved literally from out on the um, very far part of the spectrum uh, with 
the policy framework that they were suggesting in the last um, fiscal statement to uh, very much back to the centre. And that makes it very interesting because obviously you've got then Labour and the Tory party a very close again policy mix. And, and as we saw in this um, uh, statement that there were elements of the policy that look straight out of the Labour um, book of, uh, of ideas. So I think you are going to see a relatively uh, you know, stable, quieter period. The challenge is now what are the economic effects of um, what they've done and how that flows through in terms of does it lead to recessionary activity but is contained or is there going to be um, you know, a more challenging environment? And that you know, is something that is going to be very much a case of 23's um, you know, key focus. But for the moment, I think that if you th go through the markets and what they really want to see, obviously for the bond market, it's a relatively austere position and therefore that takes away some of the fears of where the Bank of England's policy will move and also how inflation will develop. For the currency, it also, having been such an easy sell um, in many ways because of the concerns of how this would play out within the UK, that that in some ways gets the, the bigger benefit. So you could find that now, you know, sterling is at a very interesting juncture where if it can build on these recent gains, that also will feed into um, reinforcing the stability. You've mentioned the Bank of England. So let's talk about monetary policy because inflation in the UK is over 11% now. In the US, though, it looks like the heat has come out of um, inflation. Would that take the pressure off the Fed or are they going to need a lot more evidence before they change tack? So I, I think they want uh, and will need more evidence, but it won't be much. Um, you know, the desire, I think, to uh, move to a slightly slower pathway is clearly there. You know, looking uh, sort of between the lines of the recent comments that have come out, um, that you are seeing you know, somewhat of a uh, easing in terms of the, um, uh, the profile. And what I mean by that is that likelihood is that then the conversation is more around a 50 basis point rise. And so that action of slowing down from the 75 basis points that we've been seeing becomes a very important one for the market. Also, again, that it then feeds into what really I think is important for the markets is the degree to which not just the peak in rates, but the pathway beyond that. And can we get to a stable neutral rate? And that really is where I think the markets are looking. And that's why you've seen the calming and recovery, because rate volatility has come down. A little bit of uh, hope that there is this Fed blink. And I, I would just build on that it's a blink, not a pivot. Blink means that they will slow down, that they will not uh, move rates up so uh, rapidly, that they will think about a degree of um, stability of rate policies. We go into 23, um, not that they all sudden turn into cutting rates. And I think that you know it's an important um, difference. But the markets, I think, will be very uh, enthused by that because it will give them a chance to look for, is the soft landing possible? Is the inflationary pressure that's been pushing the Fed you know, now going to start to ease off as we go into and through the early part of 23? And that then gives a tailwind to bond markets and um, will then feed into equity markets. We've talked an awful lot uh, already about the US and about the UK, but what about on the other side of the world? Because in fact, leaders from the G20, so all over the world, uh, gathered in Indonesia. What caught your eye out of the conversations that, that happened there? So I think the most important part was the fact that we saw China not being left out and very much being re-engaged. And so 
Xi Jinping that uh, meeting with President Biden was very important. That sounded, you know, conciliatory. It certainly wasn't something where we saw all of a sudden a, a reversal to a much warmer environment, just that it was clearly that we don't continue down this pathway of what has been, com you know, confrontational and, um, you know, potentially very harmful. I think that was very constructive to see that because, again, it means that for China as well, that they can go back and it's a focus on to what they need to do around the economy and the, and the policy. Um, settings that are required to ensure that the economy shows signs of recovery in 23. And I think we, there will be more focus on that realisation it is a priority and therefore the, the stimulus we've already seen is going to be met with more stimulus and um, more signs that the COVID policy is not going to just all of a sudden disappear, but that desire to ease and have a pathway out is increasing. Um, but the other part is that, you know, looking at obviously Prime Minister Sunak meeting with um, Xi Jinping. So, uh, you know, the European meetings and, and uh, obviously Chancellor Schultz haven't been out there before the G20. I think, again, just more constructive because the other side of that coin is that it really was very isolating for Russia. And, you know, that showed, I think, another part of a constructive position of how to try and put pressure onto uh, to Russia from, you know, it, countries it would consider as partners um, telling it that um, you know they don't want to have that proximity and they are not happy with what um, is happening at the moment. Well, finally, Andrew, we've talked a lot about stability in different ways, but what do you make of quite the opposite, the collapse of the FTX crypto exchange and where it leaves digital assets? In some ways, it's the uh, the moment where you know across the industry and, and uh, across some of the dynamics of what are occurring there. You know, it may be an opportunity where we see um, cleaning up and, and regulation actually could be a constructive um, outcome from this. Um, you know, what I mean by that is that when you have something that obviously is, uh, you know, has such wide reverberations for that, uh, that industry, uh, that it could bring the, the scrutiny, but actually the need for regulation much closer and to, to accelerate, especially when you look at um, the type of activity that uh, uh, really you want to support around investors and uh, their participation here. So I think there are elements uh, in this that there could be positive outcomes um, you know, down the road, but it most probably is going to feel very uncomfortable uh, you know, in the short term. Um, but often you know, when we have events of this nature, when you look back through history, wherever the marketplace that, you know, sometimes when you're into those sort of evolving um, industries, then they have an event like this, it sparks a level of regulation, it also sparks consolidation, it sparks a need to what's the next wave to take it to um, a much better place. And, you know, we may look back and see this as a catalyst for some of those um, events, uh, you know, starting to, to really play out. It wasn't the end of the banks after 29. <laughs> I don't believe it is um, you know, quite comparable to, uh, to that, no. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, thank you for listening. Our team has just published the uh, 2023 Outlook from Fidelity's investment team with commentary from across the asset classes. You can find all of that at your local Fidelity website or at fidelityinternational.com. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do follow this channel and we'll be publishing a deeper dive into the Outlook later this month. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Canon Blitz. Until next time, from all of us at Fidelity, goodbye.
This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.